And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast on a Monday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Hope you had a uh, terrific weekend filled with some golf, perhaps some good golf as the, the weather warms up across the country. I was actually down in Miami where it was uh, summer, folks, 90 degrees and humid, a little bit of golf during the day, some baseball at night for me, went down and watched my beloved young Mariners get beat back-to-back nights, Friday and Saturday. That was fun. Yeah, they got the win on Sunday, but always love catching a couple baseball games. Golf during the day, I was at Doral, Trump Doral. Been a while since I've been there. And um, yeah, the prices were uh, just as I remembered. And the Blue Monster, folks, let me tell you something. That course is long. My goodness. It is long, and it was in great shape. It really was. We had a good time uh, down at Doral playing the Blue Monster. Played uh, the Silver Fox on Saturday. That's the second course. They actually have four of them there. And I can confirm that Doral, it's getting ready for the finals. The Live Investment Group, of course, that's the group headed up by Greg Norman. Phil Mickelson's a part of that group. And uh, they've set their schedule. The finals will be at the Blue Monster, Doral. And there's a couple tee boxes that are being built right now. One of them just left there on 18 of the normal one. We actually played it from the tips. I hit my best drive of the day. All I got, and then I hit a hybrid PXG hybrid 19 degree hit it as good as I could possibly hit it. And I was pin high left, got it up and down for par as far as I can hit my driver, as far as I can hit my hybrid, it took everything to get there and two over the water tough hole. I thought it was a helicopter pad they were building over there for, for Trump, but no, it's a new T it's going to be quite the T shot over that water, but it's confirmed folks. They're going to get it off the ground. We've been talking about it. Of course here on the podcast, too much money involved. There's going to be people, look, committing here in the next couple of weeks, going over. It's going to happen. Schedule set starts in London, finals at Doral. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how it all plays out, who goes, and uh, where all of that lands for the year. PJ Tour, of course, continues to move along. I want to talk about a couple storylines from the PGA Tour today. It's just me today. A couple thoughts. First on the winner, John Rahm gets back in the winner's circle. His sixth win on the PGA Tour, of course, we've been talking about John this year. He's been struggling with his putting. He's been struggling with his short game. Not the same version of himself as we've seen in the past when he was the number one player in the world. But that happens. That's golf, right? Every once in a while, you just kind of lose this particular part of the game. Not surprising to see a player lose their putting stroke a little bit. The ball's not going in at the rate that they're used to. You get into these little mini slups and you just work yourself out of it. And I've been saying week in and week out, when does he work himself out of it? Because it's coming. He's just too talented of a player. And um, he, he didn't, you know, blow the socks off of the putter this week, but it was better. He at least was in the positive strokes game putting. His short game was better. That was the biggest surprise to me with John this year is the short game was just sloppy, not getting it up and down. But the one thing that's never left John is his ball striking, his driver, 
is lethal. His iron game is outstanding. You look at total ball striking. John Rahm, overall, when you bring driver and irons together, I think is the best ball striker in the world and has been for quite some time. He is dominant when it comes to striking the golf ball. The other thing that hasn't left John Rahm is one of the things that I think makes him who he is, and that is a great player in today's game. And I don't like to use the term great loosely. I think great can be a relative term, right? Everybody that plays on the PGA tour is a great golfer relative to you and I. But when you get on the PGA tour and you're playing against the best of the best, there are a handful of players that separate themselves and they are the greatest on the PGA tour. And yes, John Rahm's ball striking separates him from most in the field. There are some that can certainly keep up with him with the driver. There are some that are probably a little better than him when it comes to his iron game, like a Justin Thomas or a Colin Morikawa. But when you add it all up, he is elite. The other thing that makes John Rahm great is that he can get the most out of his game when it's not all going well, when he has his B game, his C game, John played some really good golf Thursday, Friday, 64, 66 on the weekend. He didn't have his A game. Wasn't even close. And he still shot 68, 69 and he wins by one stroke, one stroke over Brandon. Woo! My boy, Tony Finau, who I had a win ticket on at 22 to one and Kurt Kitayama. Those three tied 16 under. Davis Riley was fifth. Love Davis Riley. If you listen to the podcast on Tuesday, spend some time on Davis Riley. He's one of those guys that you have to stop and watch, strike the golf ball. I am big on Davis Riley. And thank you very much for that top 20. But John Rahm was basically showing up into a field that's probably a glorified corn fairy tour. And I say that not to be a jerk. I just say that, that this field was obviously not very good when it comes to PGA tour standards. And yet John Rahm showed up and I thought it was kind of a bit of an odd start, but he showed up in Mexico, maybe part of the Spanish speaking and he gets his win. He gets back in the winner circle and he beats up on a weak field. He was an overwhelming favorite. He was 3.5 to one to win three and a half to one to win. The next closest was 20 to one. (laughs) I mean, you just, you just don't ever see that overwhelming favorite. Let me say that again. He was a three and a half to one, call it three to one favorite to win. And the next closest was 20 to one overwhelming favorite. He shows up and he gets the job done and he gets it done with his B game on the weekend. And he talked about that, how he didn't have it completely together on the weekend, but he held it together. And that's what the great players do. They're able to keep the boat moving forward when it's not great. To me, that's what grinding is all about. To me, that's where the real competitors shine is when it's not going great. You know, life is good when it's all going great. You can't walk around with a smile on your face and everything's going your way. Well, you got problems. 
Golf is great when everything is going well. Hitting my driver good, hitting my irons good. Even when I miss it, kind of blade that pitch shot, hit the flag, and went in. Life is good. Golf is good. But when it's not good, who are you? It's not going your way. You're not hitting it good. In fact, you hit some good shots and you got a bad bounce and a wit in the water. And you got your B game on the weekend, but you have a chance to win. And all the pressure's on you because you're the overwhelming favorite. John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, even Dustin Johnson. I think JT fits into this category. Patrick Cantlay's a grinder. And the ultimate was Tiger. Tiger, like, coined the phrase B game or C game. <laughs> he used to, like, win by four with his C game. And, yes, he's an overwhelming talent, and you can go down the list of all of the great things that Tiger was and all the great things that John Rahm is and all the great things that Justin Thomas is. But one of the things that separates them is their ability to score when things are not Great. And I think that is a trait of the true great players, the one that separate themselves. They're special. There's something there. And I think that's one of the things that we have a hard time describing sometimes is how in the hell did he just shoot 69? I thought this a lot with Jordan Spieth. See, to me, Jordan Spieth is the ultimate grinder and competitor in today's game. And I know there's other great competitors in today's professional game. I get that. But Jordan Spieth, to me, when he lost his driver a few years ago and he's all over the map, I can remember times watching Jordan Spieth and thinking to myself, he just shot 85. And then I look and he shot 72. The grinder. Special. I don't have my A game but I'm able to hang in there, grind, and get the most out of it. Now ask yourself that question. Are you able to do that? Now it's a different conversation. Obviously, our skill set is nowhere near John Rahm or Jordan Spieth. But do you grind on the golf course? Things are not going well. Bad start. Are you able to kind of find something that keeps you in it to where you can put up a good score. I always like to look at what does the player shoot when things are not good. I can remember when I was teaching full-time, developing junior players. I talked about this all the time with them. When you're playing great, you should shoot a good score. Duh. But unfortunately in golf, you don't always have your A game. In fact, you probably don't have it very often. It's a little bit of this. I'm kind of, you know, gosh, I'm driving it well, but my irons are a little off. My irons are good, but my short game's a little off. I hit 15 greens and I can't make a putt. There's always something, you know, it's hard to get it all lined up. So I think you have to know that going in. And I think to me, the ultimate competitors, the ultimate grinders are the ones that shoot at this level, one or two under par when it's not good. John Ron probably had a C game. And that makes him special to me. That stood out to me this weekend with John Ron. The other thing is this. The other thing that stands out to me with John Rahm is he's great situationally. When the moment hits, John Rahm steps up to the plate. I think there's those moments in a round, certainly when you're on the first page of the leaderboard, you're trying to win a tournament and things become different. There's something different. It hits the player. 
whether it's holy shit, I have a chance to win or it's I've got to make a par on 17 and 18 to win. I've got to birdie the last hole to win at the U S open. Like John Rom did something changes. Something is there and it hits the player. And all of a sudden you see something different in that player. All of a sudden it's like, what just happened to that guy? John Rom situationally steps up to the plate. It doesn't affect him. They go forward. A lot of players put it in neutral. A lot of players back up. I say this from experience. You know, I've played a lot of competitive golf in my life. It took me a while to get comfortable with a chance to win and move forward. I had a hard time with that big time in college and even in high school. It's like I'm two, three under with four to play and I'm tied for the lead. Oh my God, what do I do? Do I just keep going forward or do I protect? Oftentimes and many times I would learn, I protect it. I would bogey a couple coming in almost like I had a security blanket. Like, okay, I'm three under. Even if I bogey the last two, I I shoot one under. Okay. Well, are you going to be, are you just, are you just going to be accepting that? I think it's a mental challenge. And I think there's a special group of people that they're able to elevate situationally. They're able to continue to go forward in that moment. John Rahm continues to go forward. Jordan Spieth continues to go forward. Justin Thomas continues to go forward. Obviously, Tiger Woods continued to go forward. Phil Mickelson, the greats go forward. John Rahm, B game, steps up to 17, one shot lead, back left pin, par three, not a good pin for him. And he stepped up and he hit it to 10 feet. That's a big time shot. That's a big time shot. That's digging deep and stepping up situationally and capturing the moment. Who's not good situationally? Tony Finau. I love Tony Finau, but he's not good situationally. The pressure's on. Not ideal. Tony Finau has certainly kicked a couple tournaments away in Phoenix, in L.A., He didn't step up and capture the moment. And if he did, Tony Finau would probably have four or five wins right now. We look at him differently, but he has two and he's a nice player. He's a good player, but he's not a great player. John Rahm's a great player. Jordan Spieth is a great player. Justin Thomas is a great player. And that's where you start separating yourself. Yes, you might be a little better here and there in these particular parts of the game. And you can see that and it makes sense and you can quantify it. But then it's those other things that are hard to put your finger on. We tend to call it the it factor. But I think if you look closely, you can start even seeing those things. And to me, once again, this weekend, John Rahm defined it. C game, 68-69 on the weekend. Situationally pressures on to 10 feet on one of the hardest holes in golf in 17 on that golf course, the par three and it wasn't a good pin for him to go at big time stuff. John Rahm reminded us again this weekend when the pressure was on overwhelming favorite steps up and shows him why he's special. PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons, the new 
Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com. Second storyline uh, from the week, Grayson Murray and Kevin Na, a little altercation on Tuesday down in Mexico. According to Grayson, Kevin came up to him and confronted him about the little altercation that they had on Twitter a few months back. You may recall Grayson took a stab at Kevin Na on his slow play. Kevin responded back and talked about how gets tired of watching him miss cuts. And, you know, it was a spirited little sparring back and forth on Twitter. Nothing major. Time has passed. Of course, Grayson on the podcast last week, Stripe Show podcast on Wednesday with Froggy. We're talking about the things that are happening in his life right now, the sobriety. He's been very open about his alcoholism, some of the work he's doing with Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour and their support to the players. But naturally, ask him about Kevin. No, that's probably smoothed over by now, hadn't it, Grayson? Nope. Grayson told the story according in his words and Kevin, you know, coming up and confronting him right there and then on the range, PGA Tour event, inside the ropes, Tuesday of a practice run. Now, naturally, Grayson's going to take a beating. You know, Grayson is someone who, in the past, has had a lot to say. You know, he's going to take some swipes at people. He is uh, confrontational. You know, he's rubbed me the wrong way a couple different times in the way that he's handled the situation. And, And I think he would admit that. And here he is again, no one's surprised, in the middle of another situation. Not a great look. But I don't think we should be surprised either that this is the way Kevin Nas handled the situation either. I mean, after all, wasn't it just two, what, two years ago at the the match play with the then world number one, Dustin Johnson, and Dustin rolls it up there to what, like a foot, foot and a half and picks it up and maybe he thought he heard Kevin tell him it was good and or just assume, and Kevin didn't say anything. And, you know, it was one of those weird situations that happened in match play. And in Kevin's defense, like, that's a situation that when it happens, like, you have to, you do have to have that conversation of, hey, man, just, just real quick, just make sure you hear me say it's good. Okay, no problem. Like, that's, like, those things happen. Like, don't assume, right? But at the end of the day, it's a foot, or at the end of the day, it was a length putt that you're going to give Dustin Johnson, probably a thousand out of a thousand times. I mean, it was a kind of a moot point. So that conversation needs to be had, at least in my eyes and where I would have it is, I don't know, maybe walking to the next tee. It's not that big of a deal. Nope. Instead, I'm going to have the confrontation right then and there. I'm going to approach you right now and I'm going to lecture you and I'm going to tell you why it's a problem. In front of the cameras, rules official, hand on the shoulder, lecturing the world number one player like he's his 10-year-old son. I don't know. I don't agree with that. It's not the way I would have handled a situation like that. But I think you look at that, and you look at now the situation that 
happen in Mexico. And I don't think anybody should be surprised. I think Kevin Na kind of likes to be in the middle of the limelight a little bit. I think he likes these kinds of situation. I think he thrives off it a little bit of altercation, uh, a little bit of kind of rubbing people the wrong way, walking it in with four feet left in the putt. He knows that there's a lot of players that roll their eyes at that. He knows that. And, and we make light of it and fun of it and it's cool, but I guarantee you it gets under the skin of so many PGA tour players. And Kevin knows that. I think he gets fueled off of this stuff a little bit. He likes that. Walk it in. I think he likes that situation with DJ. I'm going to make an example of it right now. I'm going to confront Grayson Murray right now. I don't want to have a phone call about it. I don't want to talk about it in the locker room. I want to do it right now. Make a scene out of it. Now I'm going to get fueled off of this stuff. He likes controversial things. He likes to be in the limelight. Little altercation. Look at his shirt for crying out loud. He's got Saudi Arabia on his collar and he's got this statement written across his shirt. Win at all costs. <laughs> I mean, I mean, show me a get up on the PGA tour right now in today's climate. That is more controversial than that. But it is what it is. And my point is, look, Kevin Na is a player that I love watching play. But like Grayson Murray, who kind of, you know, rubs me the wrong way from time to time, Kevin Na rubs me the wrong way from time to time. No one should be surprised that A, Grayson's in the middle of it, but B, Kevin Na's handled it the way that he has as well. All right, that's enough. Stripe Show podcast. On a Monday, we'll be back tomorrow with Jeff Feinberg as we look ahead now to the Wells Fargo Championship. The Wells Fargo is not in Charlotte this year. It is uh, up at TPC Potomac at Avenal Farm. I love this place. I've been there many times, played the golf course, really good golf course, right across the street from Congressional. Rory McIlroy is the defending champion. Then we go to the AT&T Byron Nelson at TPC Craig's Ranch, and then it's the PGA Championship at Southern Hills. Southern Hills, that's going to be fun for me. I played in the NAIA National Championship at Southern Hills. Let's see, 1998? Yeah, I think that's what it was. So that's going to be fun. Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, Tiger's been there playing some practice rounds. Looks like he's going to play. Phil Mickelson probably going to play. Oh. So many good storylines heading into May. We've got you covered. If you haven't subscribed already, what the hell are you waiting for? Go subscribe to the Stripe Show podcast. Leave us a ranking. Leave us a comment. We appreciate you be here, being here. I'll be back tomorrow with Jeff Feinberg as we look ahead and we give you our best bets for the Wells Fargo Championship.